Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. you are welcome to the episode of sheologians we are here today to put the lady in shady <laughs> that was the 80 <laughs> shady lady lady shady i'm sure some people would agree with that yeah and we're talking we're gonna be talking about shady ladies today it makes sense it's 2019 yeah or something <laughs> or something you can do whatever i want hi i have already um made a few 2018 errors oh i'm so glad i don't have to write the date on anything <laughs> i'm not even sure what the date is today like the, just not i know the year is 2019 january 11th maybe 2019 okay got it it's yeah it's almost my birthday i tend to be good with the date but <clears throat> not the not year the day of the week oh it's yeah. also friday i guess i don't know i guess maybe i'm better at it than i thought i was <laughs> Or worse. <laughs> I don't know. Hi, my name is Summer. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy, who I want you all to know once upon a time. And she doesn't know this, but she's about to know this. Oh. The made me, Joy made me the best charcuterie uh-huh. board I've ever had. Oh. My favorite one. And I've had... At least five in my lifetime. <laughs> well. So you are the top of the top five. And it was so good. Good. It was really like. I don't even remember which one that would have been. It was better than like a restaurant one that I've had. I know. It was in your apartment. You invited a bunch of girls over and you were you made this board and it had like all the right cheeses and meats and crackers on it and mm-hmm. it was like a fancy looking board and it was just bomb it was really good great so i you made the charcuterie board that all other charcuterie boards will be compared against okay so i'll, I'll let you know you another one sometime i i don't See if i do better or worse or worse <laughs> um you're gonna i'm gonna like put it in front of you and then we give you this look that's like hmm? <laughs> I'm going to be all self-conscious mm-hmm. eating it. It's like the better or worse episode. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> but no, like a grade. I want a grade. I want a grade. <laughs> Health food grade, A+. Plus. I saw you wash your hands. <laughs> um, well, you're right. I am Joy. Hunter. Uh, Hunter. And I'm here with my beautiful co- co-host. Co-host. There you go. <laughs> Summer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the thing about summer is I don't know if you guys really realize this really realize but um, every other week summer gets up at 4.30 a.m. I do and drives from her home that's right to the studio that's right five hours roughly yep um, and if she didn't do that she wouldn't be the same <laughs> That's right. So there you go. <laughs> Would there be sheologians <laughs> if I didn't show up? <laughs> I don't know. I have waited. Here's something you guys can pray about. We get a lot of people that message us and they're like, how can we be praying for you guys? Um, since I started having to make the trek 
to come record. Mm -hmm. My big thing that I've been so nervous about is the Friday morning that I wake up and I'm sick. Right. And I cannot make the drive or put in a 12 hour day. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so far, the Lord has graciously, out of all the sickness I've had in a year and some change, I've been doing this. It has not fallen on a recording weekend, which I think is a miracle. I have uh, four kids. Agreed. And it, and it, but it's something I'm so nervous about. And I'm like, I should, we should make a backup no, plan. We should like, have a plan. We probably should. Because <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, I've had the thought like, because there's been Fridays, recording Fridays where I wake up with a migraine. Right. And I'm like, I can't imagine like, right. I can't imagine being summer right now. <laughs> having to get ready and get in a car right and drive for five hours right right Um, but anyway i'm so i'm just so happy that it hasn't happened yet and i'm not superstitious but hopefully just a little (laughs) hopefully the next time i have to come record that doesn't happen uh because i talked about it this time (laughs) also the next time we come record is my 30th birthday and we have plans so have plans i'm excited that so fun. this is what I'm going to be doing on my 30th birthday. Who would have thought? Not I. Um, I know. Yeah, that's interesting. I was. <laughs> I do that every once in a while. You, you could like look. I don't know. You sort of stop and look at your life. And yeah. You're like, how did we get here? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I still look at Matthew and I'm like, what? We're married. <laughs> I know. When did that happen? Yeah. Um. Also, we had someone call and leave voicemail, and you know how I've been trying to figure out. Like what your new like I can't call you J Tem right anymore, um, and I tried out J Hun uh-huh. and I don't I'm not it just really into too it. much like Hun like honey yeah it's not I think of Attila the Hun oh, okay like it's gotcha. very tribal war feeling okay. mm-hmm. um so so this listener called and left a voicemail is great she she had like a great point she made a great point but then she was like oh and P S I think that instead of J Hun it should be J Hugh because she oh. likes hues and like colors okay. and things. J Hugh. J Hugh. Got it. So maybe I'll try that next time. Okay. I'm I'm not I'm saying it's a it's better than J Hun, but it's not I'm not I don't know if I'm with it. Right. My goal in terms of being married is to just um remember your last my, name. Change my uh my goal for like the next six months okay is to change my facebook profile (laughs) picture to something with us in it (laughs) can you guys tell that joy is a heavy social media Um, user i had so carmen (laughs) took pictures at our wedding and um i was like don't worry about it just take them i'll edit them right and then he put them on a sd card and i put that sd card somewhere that i don't know where it is you'll find it i believe in you so um but basically, yeah, true to someone who's done wedding photography before, right? You just are so over wedding photos, yeah. So I, I, I will have such a good time what, like looking at them yeah. when I find that card. I'm but excited. for right now, I'm like, it's fine. It's it happens. Some, it exists out there somewhere. <laughs> Speaking of goals, did you make any resolutions? Um. I mean, I think just like being healthier and more active is just kind of always a general yeah, one sure. for me around sure. the new year. Yeah. And then I pick up and drop off a little bit and some years I do better. You're a human. Some you, yeah. Years uh, 
uh, nothing happens. Right. <laughs> um, right. Because the years just go super fast. But so, yeah, I'd like to be, um, you know, just hiking more and more hiking, doing that kind of thing. But I feel like with with Matthew and how he is that that's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we both like to be outside, so I won't have to ever. Right. Drag him. Right. Out of the house. Right. Hike. Well, I have a big, not a resolution, mm-hmm. but in terms of like being more active. I also want to read more. Okay. Do you have like a book plan? Um, well, I've been reading, I've been um, getting books from the library. Yes. And then that way I mm-hmm. have to read them. Or return them. Yeah. Or pay a lot of fees. Right. I usually choose the last option. <laughs> <laughs> that tends, I think we did have some late fees, but uh-huh. you know. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Okay, what's yours? My big... Well, I didn't really... I didn't have any New Year's resolutions per se. Um, as as you know, and I haven't really gotten to talk about it on the show, but I had that car accident last mm-hmm. March. And I can't really talk about it yet because there's still all this stuff going on with insurance and blah, yep. blah, blah. But uh, basically it left me with a knee injury that has kept me from you know for a while I was walking really weird I walk normal now but I couldn't go up and down the stairs normally because this joint and this thing that got torn and Mm -hmm. I live in a house with stairs and four kids yeah (laughs) and so um last summer I started going to physical therapy and then it just got to the point where like there wasn't a whole lot physical the physical therapist could do I just had to keep doing these exercises to keep trying to strengthen right. that joint and that knee. And um, so I got a gym membership and just kept doing what she had taught me on your own, on my own um, at the gym. And so um, I've been at the gym regularly and I like that and I want to keep doing that and it's fun and I actually enjoy it. Um, but I have started going up and down the stairs normally for the first time since Good. last March. And Good. like the first time I was so scared the first time I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to take, I'm going to try to use my knee, my injured knee to go down the stairs. And like, I'm seeing myself like falling (laughs) all the The way down. The thing where you imagine the worst thing happening. Right. So it's taken like a lot of, a lot of work and and a lot of sweat. at the bottom of the stairs is keeping his like broken glass collection. (laughs) Right. You fall right into it. Right into that collection and (laughs) the kids find me and yeah. But so yeah. It's taken a lot of work since last summer, but I can use my knee normally and it got me back into the gym. And so I'm just going to keep going. Good. And I don't have any like big goal other than just keep it up. Just, just keep going to the gym. functioning walking body. Yeah. (laughs) Good. And I like it. And I, I don't know. Like, anyway, that's my goal for this year. Cool. Well, I have a lot, but that's the one. Yeah. Anyway, you guys. Well, yeah. And I can't pick all my goals. There's a whole year. Yeah. I'll have so many goals throughout this year. <laughs> we'll see if I achieve them. <laughs> I would think that probably my big one is just reading more. Yeah. I listen to a lot of books. Right. There's a lot of, obviously for the show, I listen to a lot of books. Right. And I read books and I skim books. Right. And I, but I kind of want right. to read a little bit more for my pleasure. Right. And not just for work. Not that I, I tend to enjoy what I read for work. But right. No, then that's what I use. Like I get my sheologians reading done on my drives, so I get yeah. that. Not an actual book, but, 
<laughs> you know, the audio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting? <laughs> Something <laughs> you might not know about Summer is that she knows how to read and drive. And drive through the desert. At the same time. I know the drive so well. Right. I don't have to look. She can do it with her eyes shut. She can also <laughs> read with her eyes shut. It's amazing, you guys. <laughs> um. So we had Nancy Piercy on last week, which was, that was life goals. Oh, yeah. That we. Yes. Um attained yeah that was incredible we had her on and afterwards she like wanted to talk to us about stuff yeah and... that half an hour i had that you guys didn't get to hear where i just got to talk to nancy piercy one-on-one was really uh oh it blessed me that really blessed me also i would just no one cares about this but i'm telling you so like this um my dad got me one of those it's like a garmin you know, watch and oh, like, like a step it like counts tracker. your steps and your heart rate and mm-hmm. calories and whatever. And it has this one face that like tells you your stress level. Not sure how it measures that, but I just want you to know that since probably we, some mixture of your heart rate or something, something or other. Since we started recording, this is the lowest stress level I've seen on here. Wow, <laughs> which it's is never weird been this low because. <laughs> It's never been this low. I've never seen it. it it's, well, that's good. It's at 32. It's normally at like 68. <laughs> Summer's max relaxing. I am max relaxing when I record, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so we had Nancy Piercy on last week. And, um, uh, you know, for you, for any newer listeners uh, to the show, we do normally spend the first 10 minutes just doing this. And right. um, sometimes I get messages about it and people are like, can you laugh less? Can you chat less? The answer is no. Right. We have zero plans to we do that. We can't do it. We like can't. we can't. No. We plan no. on just starting this episode, but here we are talking about why we can't stop talking about nothing. Right. And here I we are. This is it. And this if wasn't you... a plan we had. No. It just happened. And also we don't plan on not doing it. And uh, you can just fast forward. And I usually, I take time out of my life to write down timestamps so everybody can like f- track right. when we start talking about a topic or certain parts of the topic. If you want to skip, that's fine. It's yeah. Totally fine. So you can go to sheologians.com and you can find out when we start actually talking about the topic. Yeah. And this is, you're free to do that. Um, also in 2019, if you're a regular listener, I'm going to ask you a huge favor, which is, can you please go to iTunes and rate and subscribe the show. We have not asked for this since we started. Right. It's been a long time. Um, but when you leave a rating and a review, it just helps us out. Um, it helps the show out a lot. It kind of puts it more on the map. And I would just appreciate if you did that. Thank so, you guys in advance. Thank you in advance. And please do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. So Joy and I... If you've been with us for the last two years, you know that... Did we really tell anyone this was happening? No. I told a few people in Australia Uh because we were like talking and I was like, oh, it could be kind of fun to like give them some inside information on like our future plans. Yeah. But I think only Australia and us know. (laughs) My husband knows. That's about it. (laughs) Yeah. That's... Yeah. Um, No. Well... Why are we doing this? Do you want to tell people why we're doing this? Maybe sure. we have different reasons. Um, well, so we're redoing our feminist episodes, not redoing, adding remixing. to. We're yeah. remixing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, basically, 
I think the reason we're doing it is because we made the joke, haha, we've learned so much since then, <laughs> one too many times. <laughs> we said that one too many times. Like we would get people, we would get people that were like either upset with our original feminist episodes feminism episodes or people who are like i really really enjoyed your yeah. feminism episodes and it like changed the way that i think about that yes um and every time we'd get that we'd be like okay cool but it's so funny because we have learned so, so much, much since, since then, then and so much has happened since then right um and so we've kind of i don't know we've made the joke we should do them again well, Just when we said times. we both have agreed we would do it differently. Right. If we did it again. Stuff would be added. Yeah. Things would be different. Yeah. It well, wouldn't it, be like a redo. Like we didn't do a good job the first time. Right. Just... We would do it differently now. Right. I mean, we'd only, I'd only been podcasting for like two months at that point. Yeah. And we had only been, you know. Right. It was just such a, it was new. Yeah. But also I do think just because so much has changed, I, I would, I would argue that there are feminine people in the church now who would call themselves feminists who two years ago would not have right because of all the things that have happened in the last two years, per the me too movement really being the center of that mm -hmm. um, social justice issues becoming yep. at the forefront of what the church is talking about. Um, just so many things have changed and we have changed. So <clears throat> also um, particularly today, um, in this week's episode, there are things that um, people asked us and wanted more, wanted us to qualify more um, that I just, we both just chose not to answer right. <laughs> for the last two years. So yeah. we're going to answer those today. Um, but we're just going to kind of, we're going to do what we did two years ago, but do it how we would do it now and answer some questions that have been left over since then and hopefully bring some things to the table that, that force us to really think and question why. Why is it that there are more women in the church now who are more open to the idea of feminism than there was two years ago? I think that needs to be answered and assessed and, and looked at. Right. So um, the, what we did. <clears throat> what well, and I would say that we're even further. So like we talked about like the third wave and intersectionality. And we're just like further, like in terms of history, mm -hmm. just the timeline of feminism. Yeah. Like we're further into which whatever wave you want <laughs> right. to say that we're in. Right. Like we've moved and there that. is just more to talk about now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, let's do it. So, yeah. So today, this week, we're just going to talk about the first wave of feminism. And if you uh, had a government education you were probably taught some very basic things. Yeah. If you had a government education in terms of history, I bet you'd be like, oh, the first wave of feminists, they wanted to vote and Susan B. Anthony had something to do with it. Right. And that's probably what you remember if you're our age and those things are accurate, but they're really not <laughs> the whole picture. Right. Um, so when would you say the first wave started in America? Well, I think that... Well, historically speaking, I think that obviously it was developing before 1848. Yes. But the big landmark thing at Seneca Falls, the Declaration of Sentiments. Yes. 
that was I mean obviously was happening before because that whole thing was written right before right <laughs> July 1848 yes um so that was the, that is like the women's rights convention right right and it was the moment where they so the declaration of sentiments was inspired by the declaration of independence but the declaration of sentiments was effectively um highlighting women's role in the declaration of independence i guess mm -hmm. if that's how you want to put it sure um and it was it was calling out inequalities yes and it was saying um that men and women needed to be equal and in a political way but also in a social way right. societally right um and obviously they believed that women should be able to educate themselves about the law and then participate right in the law right but also there but there were there were like social issues that were happening well as well i think it's important to know that um at the time that the women's rights convention happened in 1848 if you look globally um this was all taking place during the french revolution mm -hmm. when paris mobs were <laughs> toppling the king of france um people in rome uh were driving the pope out of the vatican um, there were just uprisings happening all over Europe. Um, governments were toppling. And I just think it's interesting that at the time these governments were toppling, feminism really began. <laughs> right. Um, we were laying the foundation to topple our society. <laughs> <laughs> right. We just did it like women would. More was like a poison than a, right. than slow with a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> right. <a> slow <laughs> time release capsule. The, the patience of women. Elizabeth Katie Stanton. <laughs> um, so a lot of people, if you want to just like simplify it, and I don't know if you would agree or disagree with this statement, but I would say that feminism really began um, in terms of goals as women wanted to earn the right to vote in order to uh, outlaw alcohol. I would right. say that was one of their big goals. Um, I know the first time we talked about the first wave, I really wanted to pause and highlight the fact that they also, people in the, the women's rights movement were really against slavery and yeah. they played a big role in ending that. And so well, and that's what kind of, that's actually where you see, like if I was going to give you the precursor to Seneca Falls, it was that because issues of equality from the anti-slavery movement, mm -hmm. you know, there were issues like people were talking about equality right. and what makes a person a right. person and right. um, who deserves what rights and right. is do some people get more rights than other people. And so right. that sort of stirred everything right. up. And that's kind of and a lot of people who well, a lot of the women that would be considered like the mothers of first wave feminism were involved in some way in ab slavery abolition. Yeah. Which, so, and here's, here's where we need to really start thinking critically about who we are, what we believe, because we would agree that the slavery that was happening in America needed to be abolished, right. that it was a great evil and blight upon the nation. And we would agree with them that that needed to end um yes. and so there are ways in which the the movement had ideas that we would agree with but yeah um i think it's important to 
understand that not every time someone might agree with you might agree with you about something like that are we necessarily on the same team right um what i mean by that is when they said you know equal rights i think we might even be using that word differently and the reason why i believe slavery is a great evil might not be the same so if you look at a lot of some of the key players we're talking about the susan b anthony's and the the Elizabeth Stantons and um, I mean, first off, they were Quakers who we would not agree with theologically at all. We wouldn't have the same position on scripture. Um, The Quakers already had female pastors and elders at this time, which was radical for, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at us now, we're like, oh yeah, there's lots of denominations that have female pastors, but we're talking about, the 1800s here right when they had well, female like, pastors. She, like we were talking about this earlier even just the simple fact that her name is elizabeth katie stanton katie is not her middle name that's her maiden name right that she kept as and tacked her husband's name right on at the end and that was not something that would have been would have happened back yeah. then right absolutely um they also this is an interesting fact i found while i was reading she also uh she and Henry, her husband, struck the word obey from their wedding vows. So oh, it, yes. it used to I be read that as well. love, yeah. honor, and obey. And so they were very, um, they would have been hip in our time. <laughs> I know. Uh, for not using those words. Um, but if you kind of look at, so a lot of times what you'll learn is like, oh, they were Christians and they just wanted women to be treated equally. And I don't really think that that that's a very overgeneralization of what they were working towards. Were they really working towards Christian ideals? Well, and it really kind of, it gives like this sort of quaint, like snow globe peek into the history. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, to just accept that like that was the, that, that what just even Elizabeth Cady Stanton was fighting for mm-hmm. was what everybody wanted. She had, she had a large voice in society, but the biggest voice in society is not like a, a good solid historical representation for the culture at the time necessarily. Right. So if you look back and you think women were just en masse being mistreated and beaten and raped by their husbands and, you know, they were just being abused. That is not that that's that's not an accurate that is that's the that is uh the portrait that the the first wave waivers would want you to know about because those are the things those are some of the things that they were attempting to change for right reasons we either agree with or disagree with depending on what we're talking about right but it's not you don't um you need to have there is a i think even as we enter this conversation about the first wave first wave wave the um, i think it's fair to say that none of us will ever really totally understand what this time period right was like for sure for sure we're so far removed right. from the time that they lived in what we can do is analyze their writings the things that they said right and and really take a look at you know what whether or not we would identify with them and their movement and right. from looking at stanton's life and and things that susan b anthony said um we were not i'm not on their team no um we're talking about susan b anthony who said you know i never felt i could give up my life of freedom to become a man's housekeeper their view of marriage 
was very low. Right. Um, Emma Goldman was another first waiver who was important. She was uh, Margaret Sanger's mentor. Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that marriage condemned women to lifelong dependency, to parasitism, to complete uselessness, individual as well as social. Um, their view of the family was unbiblical. Yeah. We're not, feminists did not have, the major key player feminists did not have a biblical view of the family. Um, as a parent, we know that Stanton wanted her children to feel free. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't feel free growing up, so she rarely disciplined them. She wouldn't wake them up in the morning. Um, and she refused to pass on her theological beliefs so she was a quaker but she did not insist that they learn anything about her religion so that they she could embraced, be like the kind of neutrality yes that we yes that we <clears throat> yes say exists right in this current right secular culture and i mean so her idea of giving her kids freedom was a lack of training and discipline um right. as a result her older boys, what's said about them is that they loved to curse and throw rocks at their neighbors. Eventually, she sent them off to boarding school. So here we have a woman who um, despises marriage. She's married. She despises marriage. She refuses to discipline or train her children. And they drove her so insane that she sent them away. (laughs) Um, So I just think that we need to be careful when they're like, oh, they were Christians. What's your problem with them? Well, were they really? Number one, do the Quakers have the gospel? Right. Um, Number two, do we see... Well, just because you attribute... um, I I was... In a weird way, it reminds me of some egalitarian arguments. Okay. Where they acknowledge scripture and they acknowledge a creator. So they use the creator to say, we're both equal in value. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they ignore is the role distinctions that are also made in the scripture. Right. Um, And I, sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying, and two. Oh, I don't remember. Um, No. So that was really my entire point was just that we need to be careful not to kind of paint this historical picture of like, Oh, you know, they just wanted women to be treated fairly and they were Christians. And it's like, well, no, you, you need to take a look at their, their lives and their words and how they lived um, well, and the thing is, is like they're the the words that they were using were they are not something that they don't inherently sound uh, horrible, right? Or they're kind of you know like innocuous. They don't seem there doesn't seem to be anything really horrible. But they were also like, well, so I have. Well, I mean, I gave you some horrible quotes. Well, yeah, Let's yeah, just yeah. acknowledge yes. that those were horrible. But, but like in a lot of the writings and stuff, right. it was very. Um, the popular writings. Right. You're like, oh, OK, sure. Women should be educated. Right. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. And I want I'm going to read this right out of Stanton's The Solitude of Self. Oh, um, OK. And so uh, and I just want you to consider we're just going to talk about it. Okay. So here we go. In discussing the rights of women, we are to consider first what belongs to her as an individual in a world of her own, the arbiter, the arbiter of her own destiny, an imaginary Robinson Crusoe with her woman Friday on a solitary island. Her rights under such circumstances are to use all her faculties to her own safety and happiness. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with what is I just said right there. 
Um, you're allowed to do things in your life that contribute to your happiness. You're allowed to keep yourself safe. But the thing is, is this isn't even a message that this time would be preaching to men. The predominantly Christian nation would consider that not to be acceptable. It wouldn't be your ultimate, would not be your own happiness. You would be working for God. Right. <laughs> that was, that, that's, and that is where you start to see the shift. Mm-hmm. She, she borrows mm-hmm. and acknowledges a cre- the creator Mm -hmm. and acknowledges the Bible Mm -hmm. and acknowledges that because the Bible says that women and men are equal in value, Mm -hmm. that is the whole foundation of her platform. And she, unlike current feminists will admit it. Mm -hmm. But the only thing is, is a few sentences later, her practical outworking is a denial of scripture. Yeah, The whole point of all this Mm -hmm. is so that glorify self. Right. Right. And so I just want to point that out because Mm -hmm. that you that doesn't change in feminism. Right. People tend to think of the first waivers as a little bit closer to us. And in some ways, maybe they are. Um, and in some ways, they were potentially fighting for the Things abuse that we of would scripture. Agree with. Yeah. Sure. Um, but the underlying foundation mm-hmm. is still the same. Right. It's, it is self-serving and it is the the idol of self. Right. It is about glorifying The only self. reason they wanted equality mm-hmm. was so that they could do what they wanted right and they didn't have they didn't want to have any hindrance right of the law right well and i think another that's that's another point that we would take issue with was i would argue that uh not only do they deny the the early wave feminists deny and demonstrate a lack of a biblical ethic about the family um they have a unbiblical ethic of government um women's suffrage coincides with immediate increases in state government expenditures. And uh, if you want to look at when the United States government really started growing, you're, it coincides with women's suffrage. Um, and so I think that they looked to the government to address issues that the church needed to be addressing, right. which demonstrates a unbiblical view of church and government. Um, so one of the number one reasons that women wanted the right to vote was because they wanted to outlaw alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big, an opinion, which their husbands didn't share. Right. So they needed to be able to vote independently from their husbands. Right. So that they could get their opinion heard. Right. So men weren't going to outlaw alcohol use and the women knew it. Right. Um, and so. I think you can have a honest conversation around alcohol use as we have had <laughs> right? Um, and say what you will about it. But the first time we talked about this, uh, I don't remember. I think it was me. Uh, I basically argued that prohibitionism is immoral. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's uh, moral for the government to outlaw alcohol. I made that argument, but I didn't really qualify it. And so a lot of people were like, how could you possibly say something like this? How dare you? Um, and my explanation is really simple. If you look in scripture, the government is supposed to wield the sword and to punish crime in a righteous manner. Um, so in order for you to think that the government should be able to out outlaw alcohol and and punish you for your use of alcohol is if you think that drinking alcohol is a crime 
Right. Now, if you Is drink... Is there a victim right. in so drinking alcohol? If you drink alcohol and create a victim through reckless yes. use yeah. where you harm yourself or another, mm-hmm. then yes, the government, I would argue the government has a responsibility to punish you right. for right. creating a victim. Yeah. And then um, make the victim whole. And then make the Which victim whole. Which is why whole. we wouldn't we wouldn't disagree necessarily with legislation that they were trying to attempt that involved abuse, mm-hmm. domestic abuse. Right. Um, if there is a like victim, that. the government needs to step in and that is its job. If you look right. in scripture, the role of government is to wield the sword to punish evildoers for their crime. Mm-hmm. However, drinking alcohol is not a crime, right. nor should it be. Right. Um, we're actually commanded to drink alcohol in scripture. <laughs> through the use of through communion right um so if you if you believe sure that drinking alcohol is a crime then okay prohibitionism was great however i don't think you can argue from a biblical position that drinking alcohol is a crime um if you do think that drinking alcohol is a crime then you have to believe that jesus sinned because we know that he drank wine right um so i think you know just watch your mouth right um if you're gonna make that argument something to consider there um (laughs) so that is why i would say it's immoral for the government to to do that right um and that's kind of the question that's been hanging over us ever since but um another question that's been hanging um since the first time we talked about this was okay well do we think that women should vote and our answer is yes that's fine i'm i'm fine with women voting. Um, the argument that we kind of the way that we looked at it was that um, in that time period, there was a different view uh, most widely held of the right. family. And so when our country was founded, it was really looked at the pe- the only people that were allowed to vote um, were citizens who owned land. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reasoning was that if you own land, you had a stake in what was going to happen in the country right. that others didn't. Um, right or wrong, that was the view that they had. And so votes were kind of more looked like, if you read the historical literature, as a household vote. Right. Yes, I understand that there have been men throughout the ages who have thought very little about women and their mental capabilities. There are still men who think little about women and their mental capabilities. So yes, I absolutely understand that there were many men who didn't think women should have the right to vote because women are stupid. Right. I understand that. I don't agree with those men. Right. There were women, there were women that were beaten by their husbands. There were women that were seriously mistreated by their husbands. Those would be crimes. And um, that wasn't, that stuff wouldn't have been uh, derived from an actual exegesis of the scripture. Right. That would not have been right. considered a good biblical law. <laughs> right. And so essentially there were two domains. There was, you know, the business working domain that the men dominated. Mm-hmm. And then there was the home domain that the women dominated. Right. So it makes sense to, for them to have thought of voting as as a household vote. This man represents his household. Right. This is his vote. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, we don't really function like that anymore, largely in part because of feminism. Yes. Um, and the question isn't whether or not Joy and I think we should be able to vote. I have no problem with women voting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying 
women shouldn't have any say. I'm saying the only reason we think of the household vote as a bad thing is because we associate it with women not being able to vote, which has been twisted by the first wave of feminism. Right. It's it's allowed a total like it's a misrepresentation right. of what that time was like. Right. Because and it's just and this is the thing. And if you are at any point wanting to read through the Declaration of Sentiments, um, you'll read through it. And what you'll hear is this sort of dripping pretension that Resentment, if you're not man. like if you're not a woman that that is a feminist, that's what you hear now. If you're not a feminist or but at the time it was if you don't like if you don't want to be educated and you don't want to assemble and you don't want to vote, it was because you didn't want to. And you were intentionally being kept from learning about the importance of doing those things. Right. And so it's just this like, it's a total just looking down at the homemaker. Yeah. It's totally looking down and just degrading the woman yeah. that has decided to stay in her home. And that and, still happens within feminism. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing. It It's, it is like one of the, the best word I have for it is dripping and it's been going on since the yeah. first wave. <laughs> and I would argue, and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes um, when I post this at sheologians.com. Um, it took decades. Like, so some women, you know, took advantage immediately of the right to vote, but it really took decades for women to turn out and vote. Right. Um, it didn't catch on right away. And what's interesting about that is the more female voters there are, the more government has grown. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that kind of speaks to, again, a brokenness in the family. Yeah. Um, I would be fine. I would be 100% fine if we went back to a household vote. Yeah. I really would. Well, because we started to, we gave up, like you said, we gave up stuff that was supposed to be managed and governed within the family. Mm -hmm. And then we gave that. To the government. To the government. And, and we're like, here, you parent yeah. us. You husband us. Yeah. You take care of our needs. Right. Well, and you just get, you get more, it would make sense that you get more and more legislation. You already have legislation that, um, like, sort of promotes the stuff that happens in the man's role mm -hmm. and now in the woman's role, too. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes sense that you would start to see more social programs. Women are, tend to be more caregiving and right. nurturing. Right. Things like that, you know. Right. Um, uh, the first wave was responsible for the first... Um, like shelters, mm -hmm. women's shelters for mm -hmm. women who didn't have anywhere to go. Right. Um, but actually, that would have been the church's the job. The church's job. That's right. So that's right. You just see like this this shift outsourcing. You see an outsourcing of things that the family and the churches should have been doing to the government. Um, and it just reminds me a lot of like judges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But anyway. Um, and we're not saying in any way that that nothing societally needed to change. That's the opposite. Right. We are acknowledging that um, there there's brokenness, as Rachel Jankovic says, everywhere you go, there's people having people problems. Every time period in history you look at, there's people having people problems. Right. And so, yes, there needed to be shelters. That was a good thing that the suffrage movement did. The, God church, the churches should have been doing that. all kinds of things. <laughs> yes, but the churches should have been doing that. That's not the government's right. role. Um, it's not the government's role to make sure that you have a paycheck. And right. uh, what what is one of the signs of a church functioning healthy, healthily? 
they take care of widows and orphans right that we're told in scripture that is what the church is to do that is their responsibility it is not the government's responsibility and so what you have when you overturn these things that the church should be doing to the government are all these social programs i mean and and you look into what's happening with these social programs and you see all kinds of brokenness and bureaucracy and i it it's just it's bad um but i think that that's one of the big takeaways when we look at the first wave of feminism is what were they asking of the government they were asking the government to function as um the church should have been functioning they were looking for the government uh basically their argument was like, okay, men aren't doing the right thing. We're going to go make sure the government forces you to. Well, and they were abdicating their role. Right. They knew what the Bible said about the role of a female. Mm -hmm. They went to their husbands and their husbands wouldn't let them abdicate the role. Right. So they went to the government. Right. And the government was like, (laughs) okay. All right, fine. (laughs) You know, and so, and and this is where you see the first wave. I mean, obviously it makes sense. You see them setting the foundation Mm -hmm. for, um, women to get rid of the things that it means to be a woman mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. primarily your two functions as a woman mm-hmm. um the two things that are really going to separate you from a man is that you can be a wife mm-hmm. and you can be a and mother you can be a mother things that men cannot do <laughs> and so here we go so we don't see that so much in the first wave mm-hmm. but i did want to mention and even though she's not officially a person uh, like a part of the first wave as you mentioned her earlier margaret singer mm-hmm So in 1916, which is technically still a part of the first wave, Mm -hmm. um, she opened her first contraceptive clinic Mm -hmm. um, and it was shut down after nine days because those things were, as they should be, highly illegal. Right. (laughs) Um, And because she at this point, so it's 1916, but at this point she's been in England because she had to run away because they were going to put her in jail here. I didn't know that. Yeah. So until night, like for, I think like, I don't even want to give dates. But okay. in 1915, she returned from England after okay. having spent a few years there because she they were looking for her wow. over here because she had said, right. I mean, her dream was verbatim a magic pill to control pregnancy. Wow. And so she went to England when she was going to be arrested and she started doing research into diaphragms and different contraceptives. And then, of course, abortions. She was a nurse. And so she saw women coming in. Mm. Um, with botched abortions mm. and um, and her heart went out to them and what she realized is that no woman should have to be a mother if she doesn't want to and no child should be unwanted mm. and that's where it all started and isn't that just a lovely little oh, picture wow. isn't the way that she said that just so convincing <laughs> but so to me like you see so obviously first wave and the suffrage stuff that set the foundation but also you have during the first wave you have these people that aren't tech that weren't really a part of suffrage Mm -hmm. but that are building these little blocks up to the second wave right and it's so important because what you see is you see a nation becoming more and more secularized yeah you see a nation yeah abandoning the roles of the family more and more for margaret sanger Mm -hmm. she said that the ultimate freedom for a woman Mm -hmm. would be deciding if she has a child or not wow and it's like, well, well, you kind when of, does that start? <laughs> yeah. Does yeah. that start before conception? Right. <laughs> or what? Well, and that's the thing about the reproductive rights thing, which we'll talk more about right. in the second wave. But it's like, it's not about reproductive rights. If you're pregnant, you've already, you've already reproduced. That. Right. And so that's like, it's, you know, it's easy for us to look back at the first wave and think, 
like, oh, Susan B. Anthony, she's on a coin. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like she wore her hair in a bun and she right. wore a petticoat. Yeah. But like, but she Margaret literally. Sanger also did those things. <laughs> right. And think about how many babies she's killed. Right. And Susan B. Anthony thought of being a wife as just being a housekeeper. Right. And you know what? Like, I'm sure there are people, there were absolutely people back then who thought of wives as just right. housekeepers, but we right. condemn that idea right. entirely and it's not biblical. Right. Well, and we condemn that that kind of sin can just be legislated against. Right. It cannot now, be. there should be laws that make whole the victim of that, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, domestic abuse and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're fighting for a law that brings justice to the abuser, right. okay, that's fine. Right. Um, but if your husband is the kind of idiot who only thinks of you as a housekeeper, the only the church, only Jesus yeah. can change that man's sin. Right. Um, if, if a man is not loving his bride, like Christ loved the church, you cannot legislate that foolishness out of him. Well, and they have the same Bible. Right. Back then. (laughs) Right. It wasn't different. Right. No, it wasn't. It wasn't different. (laughs) Well, what else do we need to say about the first wave? I don't know. Is there nothing else? I mean, there's so much you could possibly say. I mean, I'm going to link to you know, some of the the books, if you guys want more information, some of the books I've read about this, um, this fascinating article about the growth of government that coincides with suffrage um, really does, I think, reading that kind of put in front of my eyeballs how undeniable it is that the first wave feminists really were, really did have an unbiblical ethic of government that's yeah. really not talked about a lot. Mm. Um, maybe it's because we don't really understand God's law and the spheres that he has created of church, family, government. What are they supposed to, what is the family responsible for? What is the church responsible for? What is government responsible for? If we don't understand how God created these spheres and what they should be doing and we get them crisscrossed like we are, like they did, um, it's not it doesn't it's not good for society right. and it's yeah. it's not good for women yeah um abortion is a great evil and it's not good for women right um, the unborn and the born correct um i was gonna say too i think it's a little bit confusing especially for anyone who's been educated in the time that we live in yeah um i think it can be a little bit confusing because it did coincide so closely with slavery abolition right um and so it seems like oh well i don't want to say that mm-hmm. like you know, they were like voting for women's suffrage at the same time as they were right. voting for African-American suffrage. Right. And it's like, I don't, I don't, but I don't know the difference between right. that. And I don't want to appear like I'm being, you know, a racist or a I'm misogynist or whatever. Like, right. like that's but not the case. The distinction that we would make is that there is no d- role distinction for races. Mm-hmm. There is a role distinction between men and women. Correct. And in that distinction, there was never any, and this one is more valuable than the other. And this one's allowed to treat this other one right. like they're garbage or a housekeeper or whatever. Right. But in the issue of race, that's a completely, there is no right. role distinction there. Right. Well, and the equality of the sexes is a biblical idea and it cannot right. be substantiated by a materialistic worldview. Well, and if someone says, if someone cites that and then says, because you're equal in value and you've been given equal value by a creator, now go off and live your best life. They're getting it wrong. Right. That's not biblical. The first right. part of that is. Right. And then they're pairing it with a very humanistic 
right. secular view. Right. Because ultimately what the first what the suffragettes said was that a woman acting in her role in the home is less than. Right. So they are not aligning with God's view of women at all. Because right. if you demean a, a woman who is a wife and a mother and working faithfully in her home and say, oh, that's nothing. Well, don't tell me you have a biblical ethic of the genders right. because you don't. You, what you're telling me is you're picking and choosing your scriptures. Right. And that doesn't mean, obviously, Joy and I, we both like went to school and we both believe that we should be educated and we, we both seek voted. To, we seek like... to educate ourselves and, oh, we both have jobs. Right. I mean, that's that we aren't saying that, oh, we need to conform to the opposite. Like, well, and honestly, like there's really... There's nothing barring women from being educated. Right. And now it could be, I understand it can be harder, but that right. it could be harder for a guy too, depending right. on his circumstances. Well, see, I think that's another thing too. It's something that I want. I'm just going to say it now because it, it pertains to the first wave, but not quite so much as, as the other waves. <laughs> okay. But I just want to consider that like the idea, the propaganda of the feminists was that men were out they were working they were voting they were educated and women were stuck at home but um and you know what that's that's a great image if you want people to become feminists but i want you to think about how many men dads husbands you know they get up every morning early and they go to a job that's not their dream job but they go because it makes money for their family and they love their family. And then they get home and they have to fix the toilet or change the oil. Right. And they're not out there living their best life. Their role is also heavily they are, sacrificial. Right. They're laying down their lives <laughs> so that we can be at home raising our kids. And there's incredible freedom in that. Right. Like, well, I, and so just keep in mind that that is not that's not a portrait that's painted by feminists. Right. They're painting part of the information for you that bolsters their position. It's not even really an honest position. Right. No, I completely agree. Um, if you go farther back in history um, and you look at this from a materialistic, just a purely pragmatic view, um, why would men be out hunting and, and doing dangerous tasks and building civilization? And why would the women be home? Well, um, are you going to send a pregnant lady out to go hunt? <laughs> it was actually a sign of like a sign of honor. Right. Would be to not have to go get the animals. It, the <laughs> women were not left at home around the fire because they were thought of as stupid or incapable. It was survival. Right. It was you're not going to send the lady who's nursing a baby to go kill a deer. Right. I, I mean, I know that there are women that did and that's right. great and whatever. But I'm saying very general idea here is that um when we say women are the weaker sex yeah well a huge part of that is that physically we are way weaker right we require more protection right um we have we have you know nine nine ten months out of our lives when we're carrying a child that we are incredibly weak vulnerable and, yeah. and vulnerable and many times sick and sick and we need the men to yeah. be out there doing the hard tasks of building a civilization so that we can carry that child and that shouldn't be something that's looked down upon but right. the reality is is that we need women to do that 
and if you want to just be pragmatic about it we need women to do that so that humanity can continue on right um and we literally stop (laughs) we need the men um to protect and provide uh that's what we need them to do and i think you see a lot of hatred for that within feminism well i mean so there was a quote william blackwell wrote a book or i don't i think it's since been turned into a book but it was just like a piece i think at the time it was called of the nature of laws in general um and it was like a survey of the laws that existed during the time of the first waivers or at least early on Um, but it says by marriage the husband and wife are one person in the law that is the very being or legal existence of the woman is suspended during the marriage or at least is incorporated and consolidated into that of her husband under whose wing protection and cover she performs everything so the first waivers specifically scoffed at this in the declaration of sentiments Mm -hmm. because they talked about basically one of the back like one of the horrible things they thought about marriage was that it made a woman like legally dead Mm -hmm. but that's such that's just about your perspective because i don't have a problem with Mm -hmm. what i just read right biblically i don't have a problem with what i just read now at face value if someone's like if you get married you'll be dead in the eyes of the law it's like (laughs) oh well that seems unfair right but that's not really the whole story we did talk about this last time that like if a husband died like a woman should have rights to that property yeah that was a big problem okay we agree with that right we don't believe like you're saying that a woman is literally dead right when she gets married but the protection and provision like yeah we need that and that's that's good and that's valuable well and you were consolidated and you were under right your husband for those things he had to provide those things for you right it wasn't like he could be held legally accountable if he did not provide for you that's a great thing and we still hold men accountable through just i mean think about child support alimony that we still hold men accountable for their wives and children legally and i think that we should i absolutely agree that we should yeah so, um, but yeah, they just, I just, it, there is a perspective thing. Mm-hmm. Their perspective is not biblical. Right. The thing I just read in a biblical context, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing right. wrong with the woman and the man becoming one. Under the eyes that of is the law. Right. From the Bible. Right. <laughs> not, and that doesn't mean that a woman should be punished for her husband's crimes. No. But yes, legally one unit is good. Right. They scoffed at it. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Yep. No, me either. All right, guys. I think I'm all talked out about the first wave of feminism. Um, If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Or you can go to sheologians.com and leave those there. Or if you loved it, you can go to patreon.com slash sheologians. And for six bucks a month, you can get early release episodes, Patreon-only videos, and you can keep our mics on. And we need you. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, We really appreciate you guys. We can't state that enough. And um, next week, we are going to talk about the second wave of feminism. Um, I don't think any of it will surprise you, but... Uh, I think that it will surprise you just how far we have come. Do you have anything else? Or is that? No, that's it. That's it? All right, guys. I'm sure sh- we forgot something. And we'll just have to do <laughs> you guys can this tell us again about in it. two years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.